0: Starting this a little differently because I usually go into it joking and I usually go in lighthearted. But to be honest with you, as many times as I've tried to think about how I'm going to make this conversation lighthearted, it just cannot be. And um, so I have a very, 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 very special guest with me. He is someone that I have become friends with um, through very unfortunate circumstances but who I do presentations with in high schools. He's actually gifted me with my voice and the ability to reach children and kids and other adults and just kind of take my message and what I've been through. And he shares his valuable time with allowing me to tell my story and and help with his presentations. So I'm sure I don't have to tell the people who listen to me that I am talking about Ed Pars. And he is the founder of the Stephanie Nicole Pars Foundation, a foundation, as I said, that um, allows me to go in with them and talk face-to-face with high school students, college students, um, other organizations, law enforcement, anybody that will come out and listen to Ed's story. I'm not even going to... Um, introduce his story, I'm just going to say thank you for coming on. Thank you. Brian. And I am going to let you tell your story and more importantly Stephanie's story because as we have learned through statistics, 81% of teenage parents do not believe that domestic violence is an issue.
1: Yeah, it's, uh, A lot of people don't believe it. It's
0: a lot like of people taboo. don't believe it. And So I am just going to sit, and and I'm literally giving you the mic. Well, thank you. I
1: appreciate you having me on tonight. Mm -hmm. Um, Well, you know, this is all new to us and to the family because, you know, never thought in a million years I'd be sitting here, especially doing a podcast or any kind of broadcast for that matter, uh, about uh, what happened to the family and what happened to our our daughter Stephanie. Um, For the people that don't know, the story basically started uh, in October. Uh, on Halloween Eve in 2019 uh, my daughter Stephanie then 25 years old was uh, came over to the house to go to you know a show with the rest of my girls and my wife and a couple other ladies and uh, they left our house they went up to New Brunswick and um, they saw the show and then came back home to the house and then after that you know they did their normal pleasantries saying goodbye and you know, going back home. And Stephanie only lived about six miles away, so her mother, you know, gave her mother a kiss goodnight and went home. And of course, mom did what mom always does, you know, call me or text me before you get home, or when you get home rather, and uh, let us know you're there safe. And uh, from that point, we didn't get a phone call. We didn't get any text. Um, So my wife, Charlene, started, you know, texting her and calling her, but uh, nobody answered the phone. So, um, you know, I had told her, you know, maybe she has her phone on silence from the show. So, you know, we'll wait until the morning, and then we'll call her before she goes to work. She was supposed to go to work at about 7 o'clock. Uh, she was a nanny at the time, uh, babysitting a little girl nearby, and uh, we figured she'd get up and be heading out to that and we'd reach her then, uh, but the next morning nothing happened. We uh, didn't hear from her. Uh, she wasn't answering our texts or our phone calls and uh, her Bluetooth, we maybe thought that would pick up in her car. That didn't pick up, um, so we didn't hear anything. So later on that day, we went to the house. Uh, my wife and I pulled up to the house, and lo and behold, Stephanie's car is in the driveway. Um, so when I pulled in, I told her, I said, you know, she's probably overslept. Go get her. You know, get her, help her out and get her out of the house so she can get make work. She's going to be late. And, uh, you know, she went in. And when she went in the house, you know, I noticed right away when she walked in, the door was open. Um, didn't appear to be locked. And uh, she was in there for about ten minutes maybe a little longer. Um, So I'm sitting there thinking no, because she definitely found her because why would she be in there so long? Mm -hmm. And uh, then she came back out and when she started coming over towards the car, I noticed there was some concern on her face. Her facial expressions have changed dramatically. Um, So I asked her what was wrong. She said, Stephanie's not here. Um, She said our food from last night's show, leftovers is still sitting on the piano and her uh, her, uh, jacket and shoes are sitting by the couch. You know, the bed had been slept in apparently, or somebody was in the bed, um, but she was nowhere to be found. Uh, all the lights were on in the house. I said, what do you mean, she was every single light in the house is on, both the bathroom lights, the hallway, the basement, you know, the kitchen. Everything was on, and the dog was locked in the bathroom. Um, so I said, that's not good. I said, that's something's not right with that. Um, so we started calling everybody and uh, seeing if they've seen her. We started with their sisters. Uh, Nobody had seen her, nobody had heard from her. We started with some friends that we knew. Uh, We didn't have the number to the parents of the baby, so we couldn't call them, but we we tried everybody we could possibly call, we just kept calling everybody. And there was nothing, nothing at all. Uh, I had to go to a doctor's appointment, so I said, you know what, we'll keep calling, I'll go to the doctor's real quick, we'll come back and we'll take a look around, start asking the neighbors and stuff. so after that, my wife came back to the house with my, my other daughter. And um, she said, you know, I'm gonna ping the phone. And uh, when she pinged their phone, the phone rang in the house. Uh, my daughter, Carissa, found it. And um, there was a message on the phone. You can see it on the screen. Still, so it's uh, from the father from the uh, little girl that she's supposed to be watching. And it says, you know, hope everything's okay. You didn't show up today. Um, so, you know, all the flags went up at that point. Um, I got that sinking gut feeling something's definitely not right because Stephanie tells us everywhere she goes, every time she goes somewhere, everything she does, so I knew something was horrifying there plus, you know, what 25 year old is going to walk out the house now without her cell phone and her car, that's just not going to happen so I was on I just had a really, really bad feeling right away my wife on the other hand was just panicking and she was doing everything she could to call everybody she could, talk to the neighbors Um, so at that point we, um I you know, still had this little thing in my head that you had to wait, you know, for a few hours, 24 hours, whatever it was, to call 911. So we said, well, let's keep looking around and see if we can try and find her ourselves. Um, but then we got just too panicky and We finally called uh, later that night. Um, police came and started uh, started the investigation at that point. Um, you know, we searched. You know, she was just gone. We didn't know where she was. That next day was Halloween, fa- her favorite holiday. She would never miss Halloween, and um, still hadn't heard from her. And then we just started notifying everybody we could possibly notify. Um, and then some of our friends, uh, close friends, came over, and uh, we started getting together. I and mean, you know, we, we got to start looking for her. You know, the police are already looking for her. But we got we got to get out there and start doing this. Mm-hmm. And um, at that point, my daughter, uh, my old, my second oldest daughter, had contacted this. Uh, John, that she was on and off again with, and uh, they had had a domestic violence situation going on already. And um, I had a bad feeling about him from day one. And uh, he said that uh, he had seen Stephanie last night and he was with her. And that when he left the house, he was at the house. When he left the house that morning, she was getting ready for work.
0: Right. So John was Carissa. It was Carissa?
1: It was uh, Brianna who called him. Who
0: called John. Right. So John was Stephanie's boyfriend that had, they had, they had had a couple of domestic violence situations.
1: Right. She had broken up with him and, uh, you know, throughout the whole ordeal, he was arrested for hitting for battery on her and everything. They um, went to court, and, you know, in the courtroom, you know, he had, we had found out later on that he had threatened Stephanie saying he was going to kill the family if she said anything, if she uh, pressed charges on him or did their restraining order. We didn't know that until the way after the fact. But um, in the courtroom when she told us, Told my her mother and I not to show up for court. And, um you know, I said, no, that's not going to happen. We're definitely showing up for court. Right. And we were surprised when we got there, the prosecutor approached us and said, we're going to have you guys go up on the stand and testify against on a 911 call um, because we have other issues with this guy, you know, from different arrests and different from restraining orders and stuff. And so I said, all right, definitely no problem. So we did, we testified, and uh, Stephanie went crazy. She was trying to, I guess, protect us, and she got yeah. really crazy, and uh, she lost it in the courtroom, and they had to actually escort her out. Um, yeah, so... Yeah, because she's out. thinking,
0: well, now my parents have put themselves in danger, and they don't even know it because she never told you that. Exactly.
1: Yeah. Well, at this point now, she's still also with him, yes. because he's forcing her to be with him, and then he's sneaking over the house, and this and that. We don't even know this. Mm. Um, and it just gets to be a whole whole mess where you know he's he's there now we don't know there and she's in danger and you, know, and, and you know this guy had priors like I said he was going out with six or seven different women already still and a couple at the time she was uh, he was picking her up and um, he had a restraining order in New York he Had a restraining order in New Jersey and, you know, he was just he was like a really a model student mm-hmm. um, but uh, she would have no idea of knowing that you know, she, right there's no way to know this stuff so you know which you know she, she checked him out as best she could which because she met him on Facebook Mm-hmm. And when she met him on Facebook, she did her due diligence. She waited almost a month to,
0: to know, actually meet him actually in start person. meet
1: her in person. And when she did, everything was honky dory. And, you know, they uh, started seeing each other. And I know I met him twice. And two times I met him, you know, it, was, it was not good. Yeah. I mean, there was no eye contact. There was barely a hair and a handshake. It was not something you wanted. He didn't want to impress us at all. Right. Which really struck me funny. It was a little disrespectful, actually. And, um,. Yeah, so let it go, because Stephanie was like, you know, he's shy, he's this, he's that, you know, he's just new to us, you know, give him a chance, so what do you do, you have to give, him a, give her a chance to give him a chance, so we right, did. Right, because she's 25, right, it's exactly. not like she's 16. Exactly, yeah, he had, um, he had physically assaulted her a couple times, and then the first time he just uh, had a little, little tiff, and this guy had some he, they all have triggers all the all these predators have triggers and the triggers he had was if she, he was either ignored or denied and uh you know apparently they had disagreement one night and he just like he's about six foot four she's about four eleven maybe one ten wet he's about 190 pounds big guy so he just gave her a push with his hand one day and banged her head into the cabinet um she had asked her mother if her mother could see a mark on her head and um she said, no, why? She goes, well, me and John were horse mm-hmm. and I banged my head on the, on the cabinet. So, of course, normal reaction, always be careful when you're fooling around. You know, meanwhile, I'm here overhearing this, and I'm not liking what right. I'm hearing. Because you,
0: know,
1: but, you um, already don't like this guy. I'm already on Def Con yeah. 1 with him, and uh, you know, I'm just not liking the guy at all. Now now I've got more concerns now because I'm hoping that what she said is true, but you never know. Right. Um. Then uh, you know, but she's, she was a smart kid. I mean, we, we always taught the kids, nobody touches you, nobody you know degrade you, nobody you know make you look a fool in front of people. And if they do, they got to go. Right. It's just our philosophy, part philosophy. Next, get mm-hmm. them out of here. Yep. And Stephanie um, knew that, and she was pretty good with that. And she was, she was pretty mad when he put his hands on her, and uh, she did break up with him to try to get away from, him, uh, from what we were told. And then, um, of course same old thing you know he's love bombing her and telling her he loves her and he's sorry he didn't mean it and this and that and she's thinking he's new he's you know we just met let me give him a chance and so she does and then about a week and a half later he does it again and you know this time it got worse he grabbed her by the neck and slammed her head against the wall and um you know she she panicked at that point got away from him and uh, of course she didn't tell dad or mom she told the next boyfriend and now the ex-boyfriend one i actually liked a lot um, he uh, had brains enough and respect enough to call me and tell me that uh, this guy John was putting his hands on Stephanie. You better be careful. And um, of course, now I know
0: yeah.
1: all my feelings are coming true. And I'm like, okay, so it's time to talk to Stephanie. Uh, I grabbed Stephanie. I sat down with her the next day, and we just had a big conversation, heart to heart. And uh, you know, I told her, I said, "You know, Steph, I know what's going on. I know he's hitting you." I said, uh, "You know." i'm sure he hit you that time you came over and asked your mother about your hair at your head and she said reluctantly she said yeah i said well what are you doing mm-hmm. i said what happened to all the talks we had all you know what happened next you know why is he still here he should be gone 100 what happened to the first time it happened he, he's done well dad you know he he's just mad and it's like, all the same stuff she told me when he came over the house that time and he didn't so, impress you mm-hmm. right so you know all the same story so i just stopped her and i said you know what he's done I said, you know, you break it up with him. Got got to get rid of this guy. You know, we can't, we can't have this. I said, you know, you either do it or I do it. And, of course, then you put yourself in that spot. You know, here's my 25-year-old daughter. Do you let her do it herself and give her that independence and that strength to do it as a, you know, as a young woman? Or do you step in as dad and take all that power away from her and do it yourself? You know, me do it. And who knows how i got to do it?
0: Right.
1: And so, of course, I made the decision to let her do it. And... Uh, i always say it's the biggest mistake i ever made uh, but
0: and i always tell you that every parent in your position would have done the same thing
1: yeah yeah but you know it's hard to live with yes yeah, but uh you know, so but i i kind of understand both ways you know. mm-hmm. could have went i wouldn't be talking to you right now if it went the other way well
0: i know that <laughs> yeah, so
1: it would have been uh would have been totally a different story and uh, either way we're gonna lose somebody so yeah um yeah, so i let her do it she did it she uh you know told me she wasn't wanting to see him anymore and this and that and then of course you know that uh that broke all the cardinal rules with him as far as the triggers and uh you know she uh just couldn't break away from this guy you know he even visited her in the hospital when she was sick and he was blood bombing her there and taking care of her and this and that and you know when somebody does that and you're on your back and you're honorable. Yeah, and somebody's taking care of you and you know, especially when we're not around. Yeah, you, know, you got to say how bad can this guy really be? You know, right. Since they start manipulating that mind again, and then uh, you know, it just happens where you know she says, "Okay, let's come back," and again, back they go again. You know, and we find out now in hindsight. You know, it's, I didn't know this, but it takes seven times before
0: you know av- an abu- uh,
1: a victim can leave the abuser. Yeah. So. And the. Um, the way it goes. <laughs> Your phone's going off. My phone's going off, so just ignore <laughs> the bells. Yeah. So yeah. So it's yeah, so Stephanie wound up taking this guy back again, and then uh, you know the last time he, uh, you know, we were sitting at home, my wife and I, and the uh, cell phone rang. My wife's cell phone, and uh, all I could hear was uh, her say, "You know who's hitting you?" And you know, what do you do? You know, I live I live six miles away from her. I'm in the car and I'm on the way to the house. You know, God knows what I'm going to do when I get there, but I'm on the way just to get her. And uh, when I get down to her, her development, I come around the corner and there she is running through the woods. You know, slam the brakes on the car, jump out of the car, yell for her. She comes running over. You know, she's a mess. She's in her nightgown. She's bleeding from the hand. You know, all that stuff. And she looks terrified. She's shaking to death. Uh, she's trembling so bad. She can't. She can't even control herself um and you know you, your father you're like you, you grab her she grabs you and like for safety and you, you know you push her away a little bit so you can see her look at her and then you look at her and you can't see her well mm-hmm. <laughs> all I saw was black when I looked at her and then you know and that's that's scary that's that's the rage in me coming out and that alone is frightening because you don't know what you're going to do at that point right because you know, you're outside yourself and then uh you know it took me a couple of seconds to focus on her I finally focused and the only words I can come out of my mouth was, where is he? couldn't even say, how are you? And were you okay? You know, So she said he's in the house. I, I Then I asked her if she was okay. I put her in the car, and uh, I sped to the house. Yeah, you know, Fortunately, you know, he lived, well, blocks are pretty big over there. It took me a, you know, a couple seconds to get to the house, and going pretty good speed. And then, uh, you know, my wife had called 911 when I left the house, thank God, because the cop cut me off as I got to the driveway,
0: mm.
1: and... Uh, Hey, you know, if he didn't beat me there, this could have been either not a conversation or a whole different conversation. Yeah. It would have been a mess, uh, but uh, somebody wasn't coming home that night, so <laughs> it was going to be a mess, you know. But, um, you yeah. at that point, you know, they uh, they arrested him and took him out of there. Uh, they let him go right away, of course, and, you know, <laughs> Stephanie didn't want to do the restraining order. didn't want to do, you know, anything. I um, mean, you know, that's the way it went yeah but you know you go back to that mm-hmm. that halloween now you know after you know that night when they left the when she got home from the um show you know she had her phone on silence like we thought because when we found that it, it was still on silent and um he's bomb he's like he's just calling her and calling her and calling texting her and texting her and texting her but she and can't hear anything because the anything. phone is off right so he's his triggers are going nuts because now he thinks since she broke up with him she's avoiding him she has no he has no idea where she is Uh, he knows she's not home because he was there and um you know his 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 text messages went from hello to every expletive you can possibly imagine calling her every name in the book and got worse and worse and worse as they went all within a few minutes yeah um and then he wound up going to the house later on that night and uh i don't know how he got in but he got in whether she let him in or he, he broke in he had a key who knows when um, he got in the house and uh, wound up strangling her to death uh, in her bedroom. So, um, and then he, he started apparently he was looking for her keys for her car and uh, her phone, which he never found the phone, obviously, because we did, uh, but he probably found, he had to find the keys and um, he was turning all the lights on in the house so he could find everything. Meanwhile, he's dragging her through the rooms to get her outside because he has to go down the stairs outside the basement to the back of the house. Um, He moved our car out of the way, brought his car behind the house, loaded her into the trunk, and then um, put our car back. And then started heading towards uh, Staten Island, uh, New York, which is where he was originally originally from. from, Right? right. He knew the area back there and everything. Because, you know, as the story goes on, as the investigation would go on, they would see him in parks, uh, parking his car, and then the cameras so they could see him. And he's taking evidence out and throwing it in the woods, so the police would go up there and search. Hmm. meanwhile Stephanie's still in the trunk um, and uh, he wound up coming back to New Jersey on the southbound side of Nine by the Grand Marquis and Old Bridge and in the uh, most ironic place I mean, we just searched the entire northern corridor from far south Jersey all the way up through Staten Island all the parks of Staten Island Philadelphia we were all over the place and um, he stops you know we were, we were right there mm-hmm. a couple of days prior to that in that area I and mean, we were making a decision whether we were going to search that small spot because it was well lit had guard rail air no wood just brush right
0: no trees no
1: trees or anything and you know a lot of traffic and we're like this guy's not going to stop here but you know and take a body out of the car and throw it go over the guardrail but you're thinking like a normal person at that point you yeah, know what you would do mm-hmm. you got to think like a monster they don't yeah. care so we wound up going past that section, to a very right past it, maybe one hundred, almost maybe two hundred feet away. Right. And uh, we started searching in there, and you can see where our last drone, uh, just the grids that we did with the drones. You can see where the last grid line was hundred feet away from where the body was. Yes.
0: When yeah. I saw that, when I saw that, every time I see that slide, I just it just breaks my heart.
1: But I was you weren't, supposed to, you weren't yeah. supposed to find her. Yeah, but I was on the other side, a thousand feet away. Yeah. So and, and we and we walked right past her. I
0: know. Yeah, you
1: know, which is because we were we stayed on the road and you could they went down a little slope where she was. You couldn't see it from the actual roadway. Yeah. You know? So we walked past and we did the rest of the searches there. But you know, yeah, he wound up. Uh, you know, they arrested him for child pornography shortly thereafter. You know, before we found her and. Um, Put in jail for 11 days, he got out again, and then I guess he didn't like what he saw in jail. or when I'm in jail, because he wasn't going to prison. So you know, as we were getting closer to where Stephanie was, and this, we were real close now, yeah. He, I guess he figured he, we were going to find her, and uh, he wound up hanging himself in his garage. You know, I got an anonymous call, phone call in the morning that morning uh, from somebody saying he's dead. He hung himself, and they hung up. Um, so, you know, craziness. You know, I was like. Uh, I went nuts because he's, she's the only—he's the only person that knows where she is. Nice. Yeah, you know, and that's, that's, thats what I was thinking anyway at that time. Um, so I just lost—I just lost it, and uh, actually went to his house. Tried to go, tried to go to his house, I never got there. I got to the corner as far as I could, and then the police grabbed me and put me <laughs> brought me back to the police station because uh, I couldn't—I couldn't be there. But um, I just—you know—I told him I—I got to know if he's really gone first of all, and I got to know if any notes or if somebody knows something. Yeah, but, yeah, they said, yeah, he is definitely gone, but they wouldn't tell us anything about any notes that were found, not, nothing about the parents, nothing like that. Um, and we would f- go to find out later on, way later on, like weeks later, that uh, there were two suicide notes found. Um, one pretty much said that he, he's not going to do life in prison. You know, everything you, you, you hear is going to be true. So that's pretty much a confession right there. And then the other one was uh, blaming Stephanie for everything. Every single bad word you can call her and, you know, just where his mindset was is out of control. Yeah. So, yeah. and then we got lucky from uh, a couple of guys, a couple of young kids walking to work. You know, they came across the street. They jaywalked. Instead of going down to the traffic light, um, they actually stepped over the guardrail. They were on the inside of the guardrail walking to work, and they could see the slope. And they thought they saw a mannequin laying there. And so they Went down there, and one of the kids, unfortunately, took a picture and put it on Facebook. Um, you know, The other kid that was there was a little older. He realized it was a body now, and yeah. he took it back down, thank God. Um, but uh, they they recognized Stephanie from the Willow uh, of media attention, and uh, they notified the authorities. Yeah, I think we got called maybe 2 o'clock in the afternoon, 2.15 in the afternoon, and uh, the detectives came over to the house, and they said they found the body. With um, similar characteristics to Stephanie, dude, not identified yet. We knew. I, mean, I, I knew. Right. I, well, my wife was in uh, you know, total denial, but I knew right away. Um, but it would take until 10 o'clock the next morning before we actually got confirmation, which was disgusting.
0: Mm-hmm. Yeah. That's that
1: was torture. Uh, that was torture. So we had like 50 people sitting in the house uh, with us the whole, na- whole day, uh, half the night. And we uh, were just waiting to find something out. I could have went down there and identified her in thirty seconds, but they would not uh, let us near that scene. I even gave them the old, uh, identicard card uh, fingerprints that I had when she was six. Yep. I said, "Take these." And they actually did. They started with those, and uh, when they did dental records and stuff like that, and her tattoos, and she had of specific tattoos that they can, they could, they could, They sent us pictures of, and it uh, was definitely, you know, tell, telltale. Tell. But uh, it was a mess, and then we brought her home.
0: And you brought her home, yeah. and that's how the foundation started.
1: Yep. After that, we sat back in the what we call the war room, which was my uh, my kitchen, my dinette area. We had uh, set the whole thing up like a like a war room, mm-hmm. and um, we all sat there. We discussed, you know, we can't let this happen again. Um, it's happening too much, and uh, we got to do something about it. So we decided to start the foundation
0: so one of the things that when, when you do this presentation in the high schools you <clears throat> ask the kids you, you give a lot of good tips and and this is why I want to do it on the podcast because I wanted adults to hear this particularly and uh, parents of, of anyone who's any age I'm, I'm fortunate because Kayla actually put me on uh, 360 you know so we always know where each other is right. But you ask those kids, you know, who has.
1: Yeah, how many, I mean, I have, first of all, I ask them, how many of you have cell phones? They all have cell phones. Mm-hmm. That. I know they're all going to raise their hand. Yeah. Then I ask them the question, how many of you have your trackers on, the tracker program on in your phone? And uh, half of them will raise their hand, half of them won't. And yeah. I tell, I'll tell them straight out, I said, you know, put that tracker on and leave it on because, you know, that may be the only way we're going to be able to find you. Right. And if we can't find you, we might be able to find your phone and what's on your phone your life, everything's on your phone. So, you know, I mean, your parents are not going to stalk you. They may check you. That's, they're, right. being, they're being parents. Right. Know, they may check you once in a while, but right. they're not going to stalk you. Um, you know, they're gonna, they, they want to know for safety reasons where you are and how you're doing. You know, you can't blame them for that. Uh, but, um, you know, not to have that on is you're playing Russian roulette because you know, once you're gone, you're gone.
0: And the yeah. other thing you tell them to do, which I'm sure a lot of them, I mean, even adults don't like to give this information, but... It's so important that the kids give what as far as to be able to get into oh, the, the phone? password. Yeah,
1: yeah. I mean, yeah. That's the second. I mean, that's the second part of that. When I when I go into I said, "How many of you tell somebody that you trust give them your password?" Of course, some people raise their hands. Some people don't. And I said, "You know, what's the big deal about giving you a password? If you give it to somebody you trust, they can't use it unless they have your phone." Right. Okay. So. You if your phone's on it. you
0: all the time, right. then nobody's getting into your phone. Right. If your
1: phone's on you all the time, and you, and you trust that person, now, you wouldn't give it to unless you did, you know, then what's the big deal? So mm-hmm. it's often been something you're missing. That we find the phone. I said there's still phones at, that Stephanie had that we can't get into to this day, and it's four right. years, four years later. Um, you know, it, it was a horror. Was, you know, and my mother had her passcode to her one phone, and just in panic forgot the numbers. Yes. And to this day, she can't remember the numbers. Yeah. So it's 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 uh, it's frightening. Um, the laws out there protect the criminals, and you know,
0: and privacy,
1: and, and privacy. So it's you're not going to get into those phones. And I don't care how good of a hacker you are, if the military, it doesn't matter. You know, they can't give the information out. They may be able to get into it, but they're not going to give the information out. Um, you would think that they would in this kind of situation, but right, but they won't. They
0: won't. And I think a lot of people assume that. Well, you know, there's there's always a way to get into someone's phone. Even even if you give it to the police, or, to, or they give it to the FBI. That's not the point. The point is precious minutes, seconds, hours, days are are taking away, yep. and, and you're without your child or your loved one.
1: It's, it's the same thing as the misnomer about you have to wait 24 hours to call 911. Yes. Okay, now we thought you had to wait. And why do we think that? Because every single police show you watch, put on any show, I don't care what it is, yep. law and order, you know, whatever. They always say 48 hours, 24 hours, 72 hours to wait before you call for an adult. Right. Why? You know, why? Mm-hmm. You don't We don't wait. There's, there's no reason to wait. Nobody tells you you have to wait. You know the person better than anybody else. Your gut feeling goes, you know something's wrong. You call and right And you away. said
0: your gut feeling was like this. something is really yeah. wrong, yeah. but you're like, "Okay, well, she's 25 and maybe she's doing something else and I want to give her, you know, right. I don't want to be harping on her, but In in the meantime, your gut is telling you something is wrong, but then what you think you know is, well, I have to wait 24 to 48 48 hours anyway. Right. Um, But I love when you say to the kids, if it was a 5-year-old who was missing, would you wait 48 hours? No.
1: They all say no. I said, why would you wait if your brother or sister, 20 25-year-old, you can't find them anymore, and you talk to them every single day.
0: Exactly. Where'd they go? And yeah. what's the worst that what's the worst that could happen if they're not missing? Right. They're going to get annoyed or they're going to get embarrassed. You know what? But they're they're alive. They're alive.
1: That's it. time time kills.
0: Time you know, kills.
1: I mean, the more time you waste, the further a person gets away. Especially, God forbid, somebody's been trafficked. Yes. I mean, you got minutes. You know, <laughs> forget hours. You got minutes.
0: Which is something yeah. else that we talk about because I th- what was I think it's. Um, 30% of the teenagers? Well, the or is teenagers, it one in three? one teen- in
1: three high school students before they graduate will be approached by a human trafficker. That's a scary statistic. And most
0: of them won't even know it because we, again, we go by what we see on TV. Yeah. We see somebody pulling up behind you, snatching you off the street, and pulling you in a van, which you point out happens in other countries, but in this country...
1: It's more of a luring technique. You know, It takes time. It can take days. It can take years to get somebody... To, to that set position where they, they bring a per person and take you. Yes. Um, you know, but that the whole thing is that most of this trafficking is done now by the internet, mm-hmm. and you don't know who you're talking to on the internet. I don't care how good these you know how much stuff you do. Look at Stephanie; she did everything she possibly could. She still, did. Still couldn't find out. Um, and uh, you know, just you don't know right. until until it, mm-hmm. until it happens. You know, so
0: you yeah. don't know what's going to happen. And for for parents who don't um, know your children's friends' parents, yep. it's really important that unless you know someone for a very, very, very long time, not just briefly or, oh, they're such nice people or, oh, we see them at the games or we see them, don't let your kids go away with them because that whole scenario could be a facade.
1: Yeah. Once they're out of the country. Right. It's like finding a needle in a haystack at that point. Exactly. You know, when, you're in, when you're in the country, you got a half a shot. Right. Once, they, once they're out of the country, that's, forget it.
0: There's so many things that since joining the foundation, I've learned, um, and it's not because parents—it's not because parents don't talk to their kids about it, but I, I don't—I don't know um, how many times it's reiterated, yeah. you know, because you say, "Okay, I told my—I told my kid they understand. I know my kid; they're going to listen to me." Um, on a personal level, I can attest to everything that you've said about Stephanie. Because in the, the relationship that I was in, the whole, um, the whole cycle of abuse with the love bombing, with the triggers, um, with things escalating quicker each time you let them come back, um, being threatened, a lot, of, a lot of times you're threatened and forced to stay, where you feel like you have no choice but right. to stay. Um, they're all true. So I like to tell people, don't ask people why they stayed. Just tell them how happy you are that they, they got out and they left.
1: Yeah, I mean, that, that one I mean, one of the biggest points that we, the presentation that I think makes a difference is, you know, I mentioned, we jokingly mentioned the Pars philosophy, which was named by the members, you guys. Mm-hmm. Uh, but um, that next philosophy, however you want to word the words, is very important. It is. But the, the, it's important to know that when it happens the first time, And the first time is the key. I mean, and I use the example of you're going out with somebody for a month, a year, five years. Everything's fine. Never had any problem. person's treating you like gold. And all of a sudden you have an argument one night and boom, somebody gets smacked in the face. Mm -hmm. Then what do you do? Now you love this person. You've been with them forever. Are you going to leave? You have to
0: leave. You have to leave.
1: And that's the hardest thing for them to realize, that they have to break it right down there. Because it's not going to – now once it's started – it's gonna escalate, and it's gonna keep going. They they can get away with it once. They're gonna keep getting away with it, and then that's that's when the danger starts. And that's when it gets crazy. So that that first first time that flag, you start noticing those flags is when the first time you gotta get out. You can't let it linger and linger and linger. Otherwise, you're gonna get yourself in trouble. That first
0: slap is a, is a test run.
1: Yeah.
0: it really is. And you know what? Red flags aren't <coughs> just in getting hit. Um, it's how they treat other people, it's how they speak to other people, it's how they speak to you because domestic violence comes in many different forms and if they are speaking to other people, rude, if they have a short temper with other people, don't sit there and say well he doesn't treat me that way because he's watching how you're reacting to it and it's a test run and I tell you this from experience. Um, the second your your gut says, you know what? I uh, no, I don't like this. Right. You need to go. I don't. I don't care um, why it is that that you feel you should try with this person. It, it's it's just going to progressively get worse. Yeah, and yeah. it's not just young women. Parents of boys, you have to explain to them that this can happen to them as well. Not you know, any. women are can be just as vicious, and The minute, you know, girls will, you know, they'll play around, they'll give you a little smack in the face. No, no, no. There's nothing, there's nothing that condones that. Because trust me, they're doing their test run as well on your sons.
1: I always say that, uh, you know, in a a woman against a man situation, the woman has the upper hand already because in most cases, the guy is going to be respectful and not retaliate against a woman. So if you're hitting him, he might try and stop you from hitting him, but right. he's not going to hit you back. In most right. cases, mm-hmm. you know, very rare that somebody's going to hit you back. So they had they know, and they know that. Mm-hmm. So that's why they take they they escalate more and more and more because they know he's not he's just not going to do it.
0: Exactly. Yeah, and then
1: he's not going to tell anybody either because, you know, what guy wants to tell somebody that his girlfriend is beating him up or you know it's just, it's just a kind of male ego thing. Or no, abusing you know, him financially, is,
0: verbally. Right? You know, I mean, right. it. It's it, a pride the, thing at that point. Yeah, it's yeah. it is. It's a pride thing right. and. Trust me, um, anybody who hits you isn't worth th- – they, they shouldn't be welcome in your life. Mm-hmm. They should not be welcome in your life. They shouldn't feel like they can have any access to you.
1: You can see a telltale sign sometimes, in, especially in, uh, in ladies, because somebody – you'll see somebody in, in a group of people or whatever, and somebody will say you know, something to somebody, and they'll be, don't you don't you ever do that to me again, or don't you ever talk to me like that again. Yeah. Well, that's a, that's a warning right there. You're telling that person to stop already. Right. So – First of all, you shouldn't have to tell that person to stop. They shouldn't have done it in the first place. Right. But now you've gone to that level. So there's your flag. Yeah. But they don't even recognize it because all they're doing is reacting to it. Yeah. You know, they have, now they have to think about what just happened. Right. And then nine times out of ten, they don't. and They just they let it go and hope it doesn't happen again. But you know it's going to happen again. Yeah.
0: So, it is. And unfortunately, it, unfortunately, this is not something that you can completely put an end to because there are always going to be people out there. But you can certainly impact other people's lives and save save as many lives as you possibly can. Right. That's right. And when we go into the schools that we tell them that's what why we're there. We're there to save their life. We're there to, to give them sound advice through Stephanie's story and then through me actually being a survivor and, and being able to back up everything that you said and Stephanie and I have generations between us and right. it, it just goes to prove that this cycle of abuse, what these men and women do to their partners, it doesn't change. Abuse is nothing new, but it's still not something that people recognize as a true threat right. to everyone, to everyone.
1: Nobody wants to confront it. It's just taboo to everybody. You just push it under the rug as much as they can.
0: Why do you it's, think it's that a, is? I know why I think it is.
1: It's embarrassing to the person, to the people sometimes. Um, they're afraid, fear. A lot, of, a lot of different reasons. I mean, you know. I always say that you're the Stephanie that lives because you finally stepped up <laughs> and you got away. But,
0: but I barely got away. Same situation, though. I, I mean, barely, I, I, I did barely get away because, like Stephanie, I, I took him back, I think it was five or six times. Um, you said that her John, because mine was the same name, um, her John killed her bird.
1: Yep.
0: Um, my John choked our dog, almost choked our dog to death. Um my John put a gun to my head. Stephanie's John picked her up and slammed her head up against the wall. Could have broken her neck. Sure. So here you are. I, I could have been her mother. And here we are dealing with the same situation. And the same, it's like the same lines, you know, over and over and over again. And, you know, um... It's prevalent in every type of relationship, you know, guy with guy, girl with girl, seniors, uh, siblings, yep. parents and siblings, you know. And we try to tell the kids, too, if you know someone that is in this type of a relationship, you have to step up if they can. not You have to tell someone. Okay. You have to tell someone, anyone.
1: Got to be their guardian because they don't know. I mean, especially parents. I mean, parents, one thing I always tell the parents on, on, when I do TikToks or whatever it's going to be. You know about relationships you've been there yeah you have been through one two, ten, ten whatever it's gonna be right. so you have experience mm-hmm. your child whether 10 25 whatever it's gonna mm-hmm. be is just learning these experiences exactly so, and love is blind so yeah. that's the key What they don't see everybody around them can probably see mm-hmm. and that's why telling somebody about <laughs> anything is very important because even if you just mentioned somebody that you know I had an argument like for me, for instance, when he when she asked her mother about her head, she's telling her mother basically, yeah, in a roundabout way. But I'm hearing this. Yeah, I'm an alert. I'm right. watching. So by telling somebody, they're gonna be a little more uh, vigilant of you, mm-hmm. and watching you a little bit better. Because even if, I'm not gonna let you know they're doing it, but they're exactly. gonna do it. And they may say they may be able to step up at the right time and maybe save your life. That's that's the key part of it. Um, but yeah, you know, but parents, you gotta you gotta take your wisdom and continue to teach them. You taught them how to eat, mm-hmm. walk, sleep, all that stuff. You got to now you got to get it in there. Trust your gut you as a parent.
0: Trust your gut yeah. and the experience that you have.
1: Can't be their friend all the time.
0: And also something that's something else that's really, really important is if you do break up with someone who's abused you, you need to tell people that you broke up. Yep. Because some people are I, I don't I always say that abusers are cowards they are they're all cowards they're they're picking on people and they're bullying people that they know love them and that they know that they can take advantage of them so to me they're cowards but that doesn't mean that cowards cannot be deadly so you need to tell someone when you're breaking up and you need to surround yourself with people for a little while make sure that people are checking up on you make make sure that you're with people who love you because when that doesn't happen Stephanie left him she did she broke up with him she was out she was living her life she was with her family but you were never 100% sure when he was trying to come in and come out you need to you need to talk you need to let people know what's going on yeah, because you,
1: you have to communicate and you know you have to trust some of the people that you're around all the time just, all the time yeah, i mean you, you never know what's going to happen you don't know you don't know what's in the head of that other person you don't and it doesn't age have nothing to do with how long a relationship has nothing to do with it you know in their head that you just broke... either they broke up with you or you broke up with them in their mind is i can't live without this person right I don't want to see them living with any other person. Nobody exactly. else is going to touch that person. I don't want
0: them with anyone else. And then
1: those butterflies and that that feeling in your gut starts going, and we mm-hmm. all we've all been there, who've been through breakups, and you get that nervousness, and you're worried about what the other person doing, what they're seeing, and that's what makes them go. All of a sudden, they get to the wrong point, and you hit a trigger, and they step over the next line, and that's that's when it gets deadly.
0: Anybody who tells you they can't live without you, they'll die without you, or they're going to kill themselves. Run, run. Mm-hmm. You know what? Run. And one more piece of advice I would like to give on a personal level: don't stay friends with them. Don't think that you can get out of the relationship and you feel sorry for them because they're brokenhearted. That was the mistake that I made. I said I stayed friends with my John, and <clears throat> we were already living in separate homes. We were not, but I felt guilty. He didn't have a lot of friends. He didn't have any family, and I got into a car with him, and I. Probably came within six seconds of him killing both of us in that car. So that's how fast it happens. That's how fast it happens. It escalates so quickly and without warning, and the person that you ran away from is suddenly the person that's sitting right next to you again, because that never goes away. Yep. So I can't thank you enough, Ed. I know. I mean, wh- you've told this story couple,
1: countless times, of times.
0: <laughs> countless times when I'm with you. And it never, I I always look around the room and I particularly look at the adults and it never gets easy to hear. It never just becomes, oh yeah, he's just telling his story. It's always something, even as a mom, that I, I put myself in that position. But I'm gonna tell you, Ed, I would have made the same decision with Kayla. There's a lot of times that, you know, I've hung up the phone with Kayla and thought maybe I should have said this, but I'm like, how can I tell her what to do, you know? And I know that doesn't give you any comfort, but I need to say that to you, and I try to say that to you every chance I get.
1: We tell we tell Steph's story the best we can <coughs> as briefly as we can. You, know, you remember 87 days she was gone.
0: 87 later. days. So
1: if you go through everything that was happening behind the scenes... Yeah, It would blow your mind. It's just too much. I mean, it's too much for the – never thought I would make it through this. It wasn't for the people that were around us helping us through this. We could never make it through because it just mentally rips your head off with the thoughts that you're thinking. Where is she? she, Where is she in the rain? Is she in the snow? Yada, yada, yada. Where is she? Is she laying here somewhere?
0: Yeah. Has she been
1: taken somewhere? Is she being trapped? You know, the stuff that goes through your head at night is is, It's horrific.
0: I can remember seeing you and Charlene on the news.
1: Yeah, we, I mean, we slept in in our living room. Yeah, on these beanie bags or whatever for seven months. Yeah, That's th- three, three, months after four months after they found her. Mm-hmm. Cause we just, our door, when you open our door to our house has a little chime on it. And she kept saying, you know, I gotta wait for that chime. Yeah, so, yeah, you know, we didn't, we, we, never went upstairs. i we always always looked downstairs and. You know, during the whole search, we had at least thirty, forty people in the house every, every day. He was out of control. We had a studio set up there for interviews and podcasts and, you know, news stations. And we're doing three or four a day. Yeah. That's great. But nobody knows all that. You know, they don't see that stuff. They they don't know what's happening, how we coordinate and all that stuff. And, you know, the number of people that came out were amazing amazing thousands of people came out. i mean you'd think it's a thousand people you know it's a lot but when you start seeing them come out every day yeah so they had every 100 200 a day they're just coming out you know people showing up from all all walks of life just to lend a hand even when we weren't searching they would come over they had meal trains and food they were feeding not just the family but feed everybody in the house right you know it it was crazy it was crazy donations and People trying to help, you know, then you get your, your normal life comes into things when things are breaking in the house. You're not even paying attention. You lose the business, we have a business. You know, everything, we shut that all down. Yeah. Trying to search for You know, you don't realize how much this, the toll it takes on the family and the, and the community.
0: Yeah.
1: Communities all, they were, they were invested in this. They were all getting like there with us. Yes. You know, so, you know, law enforcement was great with us. You know, we had, you know, not everybody gets that either. You know, I had some background with them, and I knew most of the people. So we got a little... I don't want to say special treatment, but yeah, they treated us like we were one of their own, you know. Right. When when they laid Stephanie to rest. Oh my God! Yeah, her funeral was. It looked like, like a military, like a police funeral, like a military funeral it was like it was gigantic. It was huge. You well, know? like you
0: said, a lot of people were invested. A lot of people. It was crazy. I, yeah. I, I I do remember it, and a lot of people were. A still, lot I'm of still people were, were praying so hard, yeah. and so. Yeah.
1: You know, it's hard to say, but you know, the day, like I said, when we found that cell phone, I didn't tell my wife, obviously, but I saw—I knew she was dead. You knew. I knew.
0: You said that to me. You yeah. said you knew, because of the experiences that you had had being in law just enforcement. It would not be her. Yeah. It wasn't her. Right.
1: Yeah, and she was strong enough where I knew that if she was alive, yeah, she's trying to get back. You know? Yeah. And she wouldn't just lay down. So, yeah, it was. Uh, when you know somebody that, you know, like that. Yeah, it was just, I knew, right, or, I knew right away. And <laughs> oh, yeah, she was feisty. No, yeah, she would come back at me in a minute. You know, anybody, you, you touch your sisters or yell at her sister, she'd be right on you. Know. Yeah. She, 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 was, she was tough. A little, she little, little small, peanut, but, but she was mighty. tough. Yeah. Yes. Yeah, she, you know, she was strong. She was a good athlete, you yeah. know. Yeah, her, her artwork and stuff was amazing. I mean, I'm seeing artwork to this day that I never knew she drew. Yeah. I keep, we keep finding stuff. It's amazing how she was telling the story. But, yeah. Um, yeah, it was just one of those things.
0: Well, now she lives.
1: No, no rhymes on us.
0: She yeah. lives her memory. Um, there are no adequate words. You know, you can't say, well, she's with you all the time. You know, no, she's not here. That's it, period. And there's no, there's no good thing about that. But I, as someone who has survived violence, I'm grateful to you for establishing the foundation. I know that you have found missing people. The foundation has found missing people. Yes. And one as young as 12, I believe.
1: Yeah, 12 <clears throat> years old.
0: 12 yeah. years old and trafficked or sold to a gang. And, you know, I mean, the stories are horrendous, but I'm just, I'm just grateful to you. For everything that I know you do, because I'm involved in the foundation now.
1: <laughs> yep, you're my right hand man. <laughs> <My> right hand woman. <laughs> when it comes to these presentations and stuff, because I it's try. Like I say it's the A team.
0: <laughs> I try really hard. Yeah. yeah, I won't miss any of them I will, unless I'm sick. No, you know right. that. If you I'm mean, sick, then I can't we come. Just,
1: we just booked a few more. I don't know if you got that email.
0: Yeah, no, I, I, I get all the emails. Yeah, it took, but took
1: two years to get into the school. I know. Finally got in, and so. that's why
0: I won't say no to any of them, because the minute you say no, it's like, no, you can't say no, you have to commit to it. And I'm thrilled to be able to commit to it. I'm thrilled when some of the kids come up to us after we talk and they do confide in us and we can give them more information. And parents, I can't stress this to you enough, if you don't think that this can happen to your child, if you don't think that kids in high school are, and even as young as middle school, are in the beginnings of domestic violence relationships, you really need to you really need to re-listen to this podcast episode because it's happening right under your nose. So you need to pay attention. You need to pay attention, and, and if it doesn't feel right, then you keep going in and you keep asking those questions. So yeah. thank you, my friend. Thank you, I'm for so having proud you. to call you my friend. Me too. <laughs> but it does <laughs> it breaks my heart. Every time, but.
1: People are brought together for the strangest reasons. Yeah, yeah. they um, are, right? Here we are. <laughs>
0: so thank you, and and, and um, just give them the foundation website.
1: Oh, it's www.snpfoundation.org.
0: And we do have two events coming up in february to celebrate what would uh, have been stephanie's, stephanie's 30th birthday 30th
1: birthday is going to be um, the first one is on uh, february 18th mm-hmm. sunday yep uh, from 4 to 7 p.m at howell bowling alley on howell lanes um, it's going to be stephanie's birthday bowling bash yes um, that's going to be real fun um everybody's welcome to come there it's uh, good for all ages it doesn't matter if you bowl or not we're just going to go and have a good time uh, probably get some celebrity uh, bowlers there if we can yeah and uh, we'll have some good music and stuff going on uh the other one is uh stephanie's birthday blingo bingo yeah which is on f- f- february 29th
0: i've got some people um, coming to that
1: that's going to be at the our house restaurant in farmingdale um that's going to be really good we have um who are you guys going to be performing there um they're a musical group and uh all kinds of prizes 50 50s baskets, baskets bling food yes <laughs> yeah so it's going to be a really great time and then uh, we move on from there yes we'll, you know all the rest of our events coming up but uh yeah just keep uh, going on our facebook page and go on our website everything's on there and you can get all the information you need
0: all righty well thank you my friend thank you so much and I'm, maybe I'll see you next week. or I'm seeing you soon. I know that. Well, not
1: next week. <laughs> next week I'm trying to go on vacation. Yes, go on <laughs> that I vacation. If I finally get out of here. Yeah. Go on that vacation. Yeah. All when right. we get back, we, we start off that Monday. I come back, we yes, start off again. We start all over yeah.
0: again. So, All yeah. right, everyone. Thanks for listening. And uh, remember, snpfoundation.org. <laughs> dot org. Good night.
1: Have a great night.